0: Everything F1, driven by fans for the fans.
1: The podcast.
0: Welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Siller. Today we've got Coops, Joe, and a special guest, Sasha. And we're going to chat to you all about the Spanish Grand Prix. Speak to you soon. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Tiller. Alongside me today from my team, we've got Joe and Coops. Hi, Joe Coops. How are you? Hello. Uh, And we do have a special guest along with us today. We've got Sasha. Hi, Sasha. How are you?
1: Hey, I'm good, thanks. How are you guys?
0: Yeah, very good. Thank you very much for asking. And thank you very much for coming to uh, speak to us today. Uh, In a brief kind of just kind of three sentences, who are you and why are we so interested in speaking to you today?
1: So I'm Sasha and I am from Aberdeen in Scotland. Woo! <laughs> um i'm now based in london and i'm doing my master's in sport and exercise physiology with a focus on motorsport i'm currently working with some Hinsta data with mclaren which is really exciting um and i'm just kind of starting my journey now on um the path towards f1 so yeah hopefully i can give you guys a good insight
0: Brilliant. We will ask you again later uh, about more about your job. Um, Let's first head on to uh, promoting our own socials. We are obviously Everything F1. You can find us at EverythingF1.com. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We're at the handle at joinef one So please follow us, like us, share us, do all those things that you do on social medias. That would be absolutely fantastic. And of course, this podcast is the Everything F1 podcast. You can find this on all of your favourite streaming services, uh, don't forget to like and subscribe, and if you could be very kind to leave us a five star review if you're on iTunes or your streaming service does have a star rating, that would help us amazingly, that will get our voice into the ears of loads more listeners. So, we are today talking about the Spanish Grand Prix that's just happened over the weekend. Coops, in a in a couple of sentences, can you describe your excitement or lack thereof, if there was, of the Spanish Grand Prix?
2: Well, we actually had a race in Spain, <laughs> so that was yeah. the first thing. Uh, yeah, it was pretty good. If it wasn't for Max Verstappen passing Hamilton at the start, we wouldn't have had the
0: race. But <laughs> yeah, it was... might not have been the same excitement level, too. It might not. No,
2: but yeah, it was good. Enjoyed it.
0: Joe, can you give us a a two word summary, a two uh, line summary about your thoughts on the Spanish Grand
3: Prix? Um, strategic
0: shenanigans. Shenanigans. Strate, strategic shenanigans. Oh, you went for the two words, not the two sentences. Excellent. That's fine. Let's go to our guest then. Would you give it a two sentence uh, descript, description about how you, whether you enjoyed the race or didn't enjoy the race? Um,
1: it was a pleasant surprise, especially for the Spanish Grand Prix. You know, you don't really expect much from it, but it was better than usual, I'd say. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I totally agree with with all three of you there. Um, it, it's not one usually that people get really excited about. And obviously there was a, a, probably a lack of excitement kind of sitting down to watch it, but actually it did throw up a few surprises. Uh, and we'll go into those surprises now. But what we do need to talk about first was a massive, massive milestone that one of the drivers... Uh, did reach this weekend. Uh, I'm sure you all probably know this. Uh, it's, of course, Lewis Hamilton's 100th pole position that he did, uh, he he grabbed on Saturday, uh, grabbing his 100th pole position. Now, this is amazing. You know, this is probably something that we're never going to see, uh, well, I don't know, if in, in the next 10, 15 years easily um, for at least this generation of, of Formula One fans. Um, just how big is this, Coops? T- tell, tell me, give... Give me some superlatives. Tell me how good is the fact that, you know, Lewis Hamilton's hit 100.
2: There isn't any other words you can really add to him, really, is there? I mean, that, (laughs) he's just, he's broke everything. The next big one to break is winning the 8th World Championship. I don't think after that, that Sets us kind of got the main ones out the way. Mm -hmm. The fact is, no other driver's done it. No other driver's close to it. And I think, mm-hmm. was it Sponge on the chat that said that he's responsible for something like 15% of every single pole position in Formula One? Or something something silly like that? It's just, when you put it into that kind of perspective.
0: Yeah, and is it only five constructors have actually reached the same level of pole positions as this one person in sport? That's, uh, that's, that, that's a massive, massive stat, isn't it? You got anything to add there, Sasha?
1: Yeah, I mean, I just feel super lucky that we get to witness this guy in our time. Like, I think in years to come, we'll look back and just be like, wow. And I think a lot of people who maybe aren't the biggest fan of Hamilton and often have bad things to say about him will realize in the future, like, wow, we really did have the goat (laughs) in in front of us. Um, But yeah, really impressive. And it just goes to show the hard work he puts in.
0: He does, he does, he absolutely does. Joe, Joe, what what were your thoughts on seeing him cross the line uh, and taking that pole position?
3: Um, Well, you know me, I'm not necessarily a Lewis fan, but I <laughs> was extremely humbled to be watching that. I think that's one of the, like you've all kind of said, it's, we're watching history as it's been written in F1 and it's just, it's phenomenal that we're getting to see this and the chances are, I mean, if there's any chance at all of it being these records being beaten we're still looking at a good five plus years down the line before it's going to happen again so this is going to take a long time isn't it, yeah
0: i mean the likes of say max verstappen has got that time still in him and um, so there is the potential to have that
2: he needs to get a good cut for a yeah. more consistent cut shall consistent we
0: cut year in year out yeah so it was a great thing you know we are really you know there aren't any more superlatives that we can say. It was a, a great achievement for a great driver, um, somebody that we, you know, we all appreciate uh, here at, at the Everything of One. We might not be all fans, i.e., Joe, hmm. uh, of Lewis Hamilton, but we all appreciate the fact that he is, you know, he's breaking records and he's doing it not just because, and this has proven it this year, not just because of the car that he's in, because uh, essentially he's he's in the second best car this year, isn't he? Yeah, that's arguably uh the case so what he did uh with that 100th, 100th pole is he actually converted it the first time that anyone's converted a pole this year uh to a win so it wasn't easy for him because they certainly made him do it the long way around uh and it had to be down to a pit stop strategy um but you know he did he he, he got the got the race win uh, after getting the 100th pole um can you can you say something about the the the, the race uh, Hamilton's race, Sasha? Uh, that you you know were, were you excited for while, while watching the race between uh, Verstappen and and you know Lewis the shark kind of hunting down his prey?
1: Yeah. So. Um, I'm a Lewis um, fan myself so obviously Mm -hmm. the start of the race I was a bit like oh come on (laughs) let him get past in the first corner so um, but I do definitely enjoy watching the two of them battle Um, obviously it's the first year maybe since 2017 I think it's been this close or neck and neck at the start of the season which is really exciting to watch but yeah his race was it was good. I think um, strategy-wise, obviously, um, that's what won it for him. I think if they hadn't have pulled him in, I don't know what would have happened. Um, you guys probably watched the little screen they have at the bottom, which says, oh, he's going to catch up and it, there's an 80% chance of overtake. And it was just going down. And I was like, why are they not pulling him in? Um, <laughs> yeah. But they did. And he did as usual. He managed to fight back. And yeah, so... It was nice to see a pole converted to a win for the first time. So yeah, definitely a good race for him.
0: Brilliant, yeah. And and as you say, they're 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 having on track battles all year so far, mm-hmm. uh, and so long may that continue. Um, Joe, what were you, what were your thoughts on 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 the strategic battle between Mercedes and uh, Red Bull?
3: Um, to be honest, I love it. You know how much I love watching both of them fight it out. I think Max has got a lot of potential coming up. And I think Lewis is phenomenal, but I despise watching him just take off from the start of the race because that man can drive, he can battle, he can fight, and we never get to see it. So, even getting him to see, you know, getting to watch him battle through, just even if it is only for first, it's still amazing to watch. I mean, he just reminds me so much of a, a shark when it smells blood, and you just see this switch go on and on, and away he goes. And I mean, like I said, not his biggest fan, but I do adore watching him. I really do. Although I would have preferred it if Max had won, obviously. <laughs> I was screaming, <laughs> but still, it was it was really good to watch.
0: It's a, it was it was good fun, and, and as as Coops uh, alluded to uh, in the startup of this podcast, that we probably wouldn't have have had such a great race uh, if Max didn't make that amazing move at the first uh, off the line you know he was very quick off the line he was straight up down the side uh, and let's let's be honest he was very very kind of argy-bargy around that first corner and very close to the close to the bone would, would you say so uh coops oh no no, no no how about that pass from max verstappen on oh no, no, was, was it it was obviously perfect perfectly le- perfectly legal but uh what would you say about it would, was it argy-bargy or was it kind of it was Perfectly
2: fair. No, it was all's fair in love and war that was uh, very much uh, <laughs> it was tough and probably on the on the edge of legality mm. but you know Lewis Hamilton knew that you, you don't win a race in the first corner but you can lose it
0: in the first corner
2: so uh, you know what it's uh, well, wait, I'll get back at you don't worry you can have that I'll, I'll get you later
0: yeah there were a couple of choices he could have tried to do it straight away but uh he chose to buy this time. I think if he did try and do it straight away, I think, as you say, probably one or two of them, one or both of them would have been off the track uh, and it would have been uh, a completely different story. Uh, they might have even got Oh, that'll those. come. Yeah. You think? you think? You think we're going to have that this year? Oh, yes. See if it stays close.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> do you think that Hamilton, Hamilton will not settle, or Verstappen won't settle for second behind his championship rival? But no. There's a chance they can have an accident. Uh, you know, there, there, there'll be no quarter given or drawn between the two of them. They've all... If it means that it stays within a couple of points and somebody doesn't lose out to 10 or 12 points, I mean, as long as they don't do what Michael Schumacher tried to do in 97 and get it wrong, <laughs> and they retired and the other person gets all the points. Then, yeah. You know, but, yeah, I, I mean, it's very respectful right now. and we we've still got... Nineteen races to go. Hopefully, yes, yeah. You know
0: it's not going to stay that way if it stays this close. No, won't. they're going to rub each up and rub each other up the wrong way, aren't they?
2: Well, Max Verstappen knows how to rub people up the wrong way. Come on. <laughs> oh, come
0: on, he's a
3: ride or die kind of driver, of course. He does.
2: Oh, stop you! Stop going on
0: joke. Stop defending him. He's not in the room. <laughs> She's still hoping for a date with uh, <laughs> the. He's
3: a little young, but I wouldn't say no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well let's talk about let's talk about max verstappen's race then obviously he did overtake uh the, at the first corner he had a great it controlled the the pace of the race uh he you know he he did made the first pit stop uh, out of the two uh kind of controlled the the strategy as it was um and it all looked like it was going to be going his way for the win um were you surprised to see the 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 the, the switcheroo that, that Mercedes did at the end, Sasha, that, that kind of knocked, um, well, that kind of put Red Bull on edge, really, uh, and kind of knocked them off their uh, their strategy?
1: Um, I think when you were watching it, you kind of knew that Mercedes were cooking up a plan. Yeah. You didn't quite know what was going to happen. And I think I was seeing whispers on Twitter, like, oh, my goodness, are they going to do a Budapest? I think it was 2019. Yeah. All over again. And I was kind of waiting for it. And I don't know if you guys noticed how quick he just slipped into the pit lane. Mm -hmm. Um, It definitely did take me by surprise, but then obviously it's Mercedes and they're not the champions for no reason. So um, I did feel for Max, I think, when he was getting in his ear from Christian Horner being like, oh, they're going to do us again. They're going to catch you in 10 10 laps or something. I think Max would have just been like, you know, I'm so frustrated with you guys have had this happen to you before and you aren't really, you know, switching the strategy, but it was just a waiting game. He was going to get caught and I think he knew it. So, yeah, felt for him there, but he did pull off a great overtake.
0: Yeah, he did. Uh, but, but do you think Max was thinking, do you know what? Well, if he's just picked, can I not go in and, and grab a, a new set of boots myself and uh, try and turn the strategy on its head and, and do something different to what we did in Budapest in 2019? Or did you think he just thought, you know what, I've got to try and roll the dice here uh, and remain out. Coops.
2: I don't think they had much of a choice. I think the biggest thing is that Mercedes knew what they were doing from the start because they kept the two fresh set of mediums from qualifying into the race, so they knew what they were doing. They had this plan sorted from practice. It's the only way that they managed to do it.
3: I have to agree with that, because if you look at their tyre choices through Q2 and Q3 on Saturday, the way that they kind of worked their tyre choices, in hindsight, we should have known then, wait a minute, they've got a backup plan here. Because he went out on the first run in Q2, and then... Was at the end of Q three, he went out on scrubbed in tyres already, which meant he did have already have a backup just scrubbed in from whatever Q qualifi- one uh, I think it was. So they're as good as fresh, just sitting spares there. So it's like they've had this idea, you know, someone said to them, "We can repeat this if we need to." There's a you know an off chance that this might be what saves us here, and they've actually kept the of one, which you know it. it this is why they get paid the big bucks. This is why they're the best.
0: Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's important. to obviously, let, let's focus on Max. He he was he was doing the, he was doing the job that he was that was expected of him. He was putting in some really quick laps. He was looking after those tires as much as he could do. Uh, and all the signs pointed it to being uh, a one-stop strategy. So he, for, you know, for all intents and purposes, Red Bull were on the money. Um, it's just you know, Mercedes rolled the dice and. And, and gave Lewis that kind of extra bit of tyres at the end. It was, uh, it was great to watch, as I say, the kind of shark sensing the blood uh, on the attack, trying to get the, uh, you know, its prey. So, yeah, it was, it was great fun. Really, really good to watch. And it made a Spanish Grand Prix an interesting Grand Prix because they're doing everything they can uh, in, in Spain to try and take interesting racing from us. They've changed, obviously, turn 10. So it was a chicane before and they made it into a long, sweeping corner. Coops, what did you think about that corner? Was it an error uh, to, to make it that way, or, do, or do, you think, do you think it probably gave us some good racing?
2: <laughs> they had two passing opportunities in Spain, and they took one away. <laughs> exactly. It goes from a 85 mile an 85-mile-an-hour corner mm-hmm. to a 110-mile-an-hour corner. You can't yeah. pass in Formula 1 in 2021 on that type of corner. doesn't happen. I mean the plan the idea was that you know that corner makes the going on to the the, the straight for the first corner mm-hmm. so if you think about it they're changing corner 10 which is what three corners away from the first corner to make it faster so that you've got more of a chance to pass four corners down the road it's mm-hmm. not that great uh, take away the chicane and then at the, the end of the lap and I'll make it faster, uh, for everybody. Uh, <laughs> but hey, uh, they obviously came up with it. It's a very similar layout to nineteen ninety one, I think. Yeah. If you look at the ninety one map to this, the new one, they've kind of turned it back more or less back into that one. Purely from a from a racing standpoint, if it wasn't for Max Verstappen, we wouldn't have had a race, and the track layout even without the changes, wasn't the best track in the world anyway for racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why they changed it. I'm not 100% sure, other than to give it a wee bit more speed, like I say, for the first corner. Uh, but it kind of shows the problem we have with Formula One in this rule cycle that to give you an opportunity to pass, you need to change a corner, four corners, before they only pass an opportunity in the whole lap. hmm which is a bit like you're not really fixing the problem, in a sense. Um, well,
0: uh, it certainly didn't help with the overtakes because I, I don't think people are going to be remembering this this race for you know loads of overtakes. However, there were there were a couple there were a couple of good overtakes uh, in, during the race. Obviously, not at that that turn. Um, Perez, uh, his overtake on Daniel Ricciardo uh, was, was just uh, amazing into turn one. Um, he'd been well. Pro-
2: actually, sorry to interrupt. Probably the best one was Lance Stroll and Fernando Alonso, which I think, if memory serves me right, was going around the outside of Turn Three. Oh,
0: okay. Now
2: he, uh, Lance Stroll, Alonso, D'Alonso <laughs>
0: <laughs> This is.
2: It's actually quite refreshing to see an Aston Martin pass somebody. Uh,
0: to be honest, do you think they're getting? Uh, do you think they're getting the hang of the car now? Do you think they're uh, no, they're going to adjust it? No. No,
2: no they were eleventh and thirteenth. No. No chance. No. They've went from being the pink Mercedes to the green Ferrari. <laughs> 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 They're doing their best impression of being last year's Ferrari car. I don't know what it is. Snap's never came out this weekend and done his usual. The regulations have hurt our car. Well, their other car, this low-rake, won it. So, I don't know how you, you
0: can't can not complain. point. You can't complain about it too much when you've got a Mercedes winning three out of the four races, can you? Uh
2: I just don't think they've got a... I think it's just the regulations have stumped them. It's just...
0: I, I read an article actually saying that, um, that obviously, when um, Stroll came in, he said, no, copy, copy the Mercedes. I want you to copy the Mercedes. Completely changed, changed the, uh, the racing points, kind of um, their, their, their usual setup. They, 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 were, they were working towards their own um, their own design and they they, they, had the, they had the knowledge about how their own design worked. Uh, and Stroll, uh, Lawrence Stroll came in and said, you know, go off these pictures. I want you to want you to do something exactly the same as as the Mercedes, as close to the Mercedes as as, as you can. Uh, and because of that, the designers who were actually used to de- designing and uh, adding more things to their own car and developing their own car, um, they didn't know. They 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 didn't understand completely just the the aer- aer- aerodynamic uh, layer of the Mercedes. They, they were just copying it from pictures. So. From that perspective, that makes kind of sense to me um, why they're struggling um, because it's just a a completely different package. It's
2: specifically the new regulations that they haven't got a handle on compared to their car and where they've got the blueprint from the Mercedes last year and then the way they've then designed it because it's not a pink Mercedes as much as people try to say that. Yes, they had all these 3D pictures and okay, they had the brake and the CAD drawings and stuff like that. They got their wrist slipped. But they didn't develop it the same way mercedes developed the car mm. they they took the blueprint and developed it on their own way so if you look at it technically it's not a mercedes it's not a pink mercedes it's a, it's inspired by the mercedes but it's not the same mm-hmm. but as you say you're quite right in saying as the article says like engineers it's it's a lot harder to reverse engineer something that has to come up with your own thing because you're like well, why did that person do that like in your spending a lot longer understanding something than you yeah. are knowing because the biggest problem you have in formula one if something goes wrong that's not working
0: mm-hmm.
2: then you can't figure out why it's not working then you're
0: yeah if you if oh, you just a, if you just copy an, an image you can say for that you know yeah if you just copy an image, you're not you're not actually knowing um you're not actually understanding how that how that certain per, part works with the the rest of the car um, let's move on anyway. Uh, let, obviously, you, you said obviously that that overtake was great from from Stroll um, uh, on Alonso. But let's talk about the one that I was chatting to you about. Obviously, with Perez because Perez obviously had a, a bit of a bad Saturday in qualifying. Um, didn't didn't get to where he actually wanted to uh, in in the qualifying session. So he had it gave him a bit of work to do uh, on the Sunday. Um, and but a lot of that time he was stuck behind Daniel Ricciardo, and he did do this amazing pass. Um, so he was feeling a lot better on race day because he was a bit poorly. Uh, What's your opinion of Sergio Perez, Sasha? We haven't heard from you for a little while. Uh, Do you think he's a great great driver? Is he just a journeyman? Or uh, are you excited to see what he can do in the Red Bull this year?
1: Yeah, I think I'm super excited to see what he can achieve. I think he's obviously got a few years under his belt compared to most of the second Red Bull drivers that come in. Mm -hmm. So I do really hope that he doesn't fall down the same kind of trap that the rest of them do. I really think that he will prove that his experience will you know boost the car he'll hopefully you know push max a bit further and as he gets more comfortable Mm -hmm. in the car i definitely think that he's gonna you know give max a bit of a run for his money once he's confident in a car you know what he's like with a teammate from when you've seen him with esteban ocon in i think 2017-18 maybe that might be a bit too early but um yeah, yeah he did not take any prisoners back then so i doubt he would do the same for max
0: no, absolutely. You're you're right, and that we, we discussed this. You know, uh, as as he gets to grips with the car, he's going to be, hopefully, a bit more fighty with his mm. teammate. What what do you think, Joe? Obviously, as a Max Verstappen fan, uh, but you, you can appreciate the the teammate this year.
3: Uh, yeah, I can. I'm really looking forward to what he can bring for the team in the whole. To be honest with you, Max is good for that car. You know the team's been him yada yada yada. However. Without that second driver, we're just not getting the points we need to get close to Mercedes. And having a competent second driver is what's needed. Not to mention having someone that's going to push Max and push him to his potential and vice versa. Nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. No. Um, the only thing that worries me is so far, and I know we're only in the fourth, fourth uh, race in, but so far he's actually not that far off the same stats as Albon was last year. No. However, no. we all seem to think he's—you know—mentally we're looking at this and going, oh, "He's definitely doing better than any of the other second drivers," and yet actually statistically, he's not doing that much better.
0: Not at the moment.
3: Not at the moment, but I think he has that potential. He has so much experience, and he is amazing. Once he he settles into that sweet spot, he'll be off. He
0: Fingers crossed. Uh, I'm, I've got I've got high hopes for uh, Perez. I, I think you know he, he he got a great first race in Bahrain. Uh, I think he is very, very close to having kind of the knowledge about the car um, that that is needed to to drive it forward uh, and and score some really good points and hopefully podium soon. Um, Coops, your thoughts on Perez and his race this weekend?
2: Well, his race was a bit of a curse of the second seat at Red Bull. Uh, As you say, statistically, he's not any better than Kvyat or Gasly or well, maybe not Caveat but Gasly and uh, Albon. Got his name all of a sudden, Albon. Uh, he wouldn't like that you forgotten he, his name. Well, come on, he's not—he <laughs> he wasn't really worth remembering in Formula One, to be fair. No, oh, that's just uh,
0: don't be, don't be horrible. He, he's no, he will be back. He'll be back soon, won't he? No, he won't. Like <laughs> just getting
2: from a testing seat to a race seat when you're actually tested for Red Bull. Come on. <laughs> uh, no, I mean that's the driver. Like I've said in previous podcasts, he was he was driving for Formula E. Mm-hmm. No team wanted him until something happened, but they didn't have a choice. So, but yeah, Perez. The other thing it's worth mentioning is Perez doesn't have that fear about Mark helmet Marco over him. Like, if you do not do what we say, you're not going to have a career. He does he care? He's got enough money to get a seat somewhere else. I mean, he's got. I think the last I heard of it was around about fifteen million a year he gets in sponsorship. Hmm. So, take away Ferrari, Mercedes, pretty much every other team on the grid would be quite happy for $50 million quid in the bank. You know, from and then a driver like Perez, who's decent.
0: Yeah, and, and Perez has also said he's got he's got options for next year already, so he doesn't necessarily have to remain at Red Bull. Well,
2: I mean, is that was that actually that, or was that management talk to try and make sure he gets a drive? No, we don't know yet. Nobody
0: knows, but yeah. it, you know this this is this is what he says, and we can, we have to take him as uh, at his word uh, at this point. But I'm sure he would prefer to be in the Red Bull next year, because um, well, let's face it, none of the other teams that could have promised him a seat are performing to their standard so okay uh let's talk about the sister red bull team the alpha tauri um we had a bit of an interesting week from Tsunoda. Uh, he had a bit of outrage on on saturday um that he subsequently had to apologize for uh, and then unfortunately he couldn't convert anything in the uh, in the race itself because he had a dnf uh and he, he stopped on lap 9 um so I wonder why that was <laughs> Have you got your your tinfoil hat on? Oh,
2: yeah. yeah, When when, when Yuki Tsunoda comes out and said that his engineers are making his car slower than his teammate and then his car (laughs) doesn't last 10 laps.
0: Okay. Do you think someone put a banana in the exhaust pipe or something? Is that what you're trying to say?
2: Yeah, I forgot to to tighten that wee bolt next to the
0: fuel (laughs) line there. (laughs) What, What are your thoughts, Sasha, on Yuki Tsunoda?
1: I actually, Yuki, I think, brings a little bit of oomph about him i like him mm-hmm. he's feisty or he's trying to be feisty um and it's maybe to some people it's coming across as like oh just give it a rest but i like someone who does that you know max was quite like mm-hmm. that at the start you know he didn't really care what people thought and he's turned out all right so i mean i think like you said once he gets more comfortable in the car and has a bit more experience under his belt like I, i reckon he'll be pretty good and you know, Gasly has just, you know, he's amazing in that car. Going from the Red Bull mm. to that, he's so comfortable in it. So I kind of hope um, Yuki can follow suit and get some results. But, yeah, it was not a great weekend for him.
0: <laughs> no, so he, he started slagging off the uh, the, the Avatari team, saying he's not getting the same car as his teammate. mate um, and I, 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 am, I am with you here, Sasha. I absolutely loved watching that interview. <laughs> cringy, although, it, although it was quite cringy to watch, uh, and I'm sure really angered the team uh, and the engineers uh, from AlphaTauri. It, 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 I like it. Yeah, I like to yeah. say he's got, he's got spunk. He's got, you know, an attitude. He's got, he, he got a desire to win uh, and put it on the, the top step every single rate, every single qualifying. You know, I'm here to win. I'm here to qualify the best. Um, yeah, and I, I love his attitude uh, and as I say he, he made his apology <laughs> um, albeit probably quite a forced apology um, but he did so um, but then unfortunately had un- a bit of bad luck in the race um, there's not much more to say this what, what it did do is it brought out the safety car uh, which meant it, it bunched up the pack again um, which gave us the opportunity to see uh, Hamilton try and take uh, Verstappen on the restart which he didn't do uh, and Verstappen controlled it again from from that point. Um, let's move on then to uh, oh, this is an important one actually. We should have talk, talked about it earlier. Uh, Bottas, um, Bottas obviously came third today. Uh, well, yesterday, but he didn't. Um, he didn't give up to team orders like he was supposed to do uh, in a very very timely manner, did he, Joe? Uh, he he was given the order to move, step aside. Do you're on a different race strategy. Uh, for a lot to let uh, Hamilton through, um, but he didn't. He didn't go. Didn't move straight away. He didn't make it too easy, did he? Is that a bit? Is that a bit of a cheeky
3: attitude coming from Bottas's way? Absolutely loved him for it. I was up at my TV, going, "Get them tilt, get in there. Why bother? you Probably <laughs> may see it next year. Make them work for it, because that's what everybody wants to see. And do you know he has played that second fiddle for so long now, and he. To a degree, to start off with anyway, he'd done it humbly and then he started to get a bit like, right, come on guys, there's no need for this yet. It's mm-hmm. the start of the season. There was no reason why they couldn't have fought that out. It's not like this is championship points. We're race four, okay? Yeah. Bottas was, let's be honest, he was never, ever going to hold Hamilton up for long. So just no. leave them and do it for the love of God
0: what they should have done is just pitted him because they'd pit him as soon as the fight was over anyway yeah. so just if they really if they really wanted to get get him in, let him in front just pit him a lap early and uh, then there wouldn't have been the whole Valtteri Hamilton is faster than you uh, it just wouldn't have been needed would it?
3: But I mean it did hold them up they reckon roughly two seconds is what Hamilton lost for that little Scrummage. <laughs> which, i was so pleased which, for him <laughs>
0: which in the grand scheme of things wasn't a massive uh, a hot hold up really was it because you know uh, hamilton did get past and he did go on to win the race so uh, perhaps hamilton was kind of like well you know what i respect bottas for doing that um it would have been nice for the mercedes team and, the, and their nerves in the garage to if he just let him straight past but you know for us as, as fans it, it kind of does make it a bit interesting don't you think sasha
1: yeah definitely um I do, well, definitely in the start when um, Valtteri first joined the team, I used to feel bad for him when they would tell him this, but now I'm just like, do what you want. Like, I'm fed up of them telling him to do what he's told when, like you Mm -hmm. said, Joe, it's the fourth race of the season. Like, we want to see some fights on track. And if Hamilton had the pace, then Valtteri wouldn't have been able to hold him up for long regardless. So,
2: Mm.
1: yeah, I, I feel for him, but then at the same time, I'm like, stop doing what they're saying then just don't do it like mm-hmm. you, you do it for two seconds and then he's letting them pass just keep doing it like why stop it's more fun for us fans <laughs> but yeah I can definitely see why the team are obviously frustrated about him but
0: yeah they just they just don't want two Mercedes going into each other <laughs> do they that, that's never never a good look yeah, no. it was great to see uh, Bottas give, uh, giving a bit of attitude back uh, and, and and pushing back and and not just giving in to Hamilton and do you know what I think Hamilton will be happy to have that extra bit of uh battling on the track as long as they keep it clean and, and they don't crash off the track I think it's it's probably best to just leave them to it um, another team that kind of looked uh, impressive although the race results wouldn't uh, allude to that um, was the Alpine team they, they're certainly that's that car is getting stronger um, what what were your thoughts obviously Alonso and Ocon um, I think they, they, they're getting a handle on that car Coops.
2: Yeah, I mean, Ocon's proven me wrong because I don't like him. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he had, a, he had a really solid race. I mean, the car just needs to find that wee bit extra pace and it could be up there with the Ferrari and the McLaren. Uh, obviously, the Alpine team quite like their cars a bit sick and it seems to be working well for them. You know? <laughs> it, was, uh, it was it it was was like in, in practice or in uh, sorry, pre-season testing when that car came out, it was a wee bit like Dash from the year before when they, you know, when they, they pull the steering wheel back and everyone's going, what are they doing with that steering wheel? I mean, then when the Alpine came out this year. It was like, look how big that car is. Look, look how, you know, look how white it is. Wait, hold on a sec. Yeah, that is a bit
1: bigger.
2: <laughs> so it was, uh, so, but it, uh, it clearly hasn't caused any issue.
1: Mm.
2: As they can get on top of, the engine or the power unit, I should say, and get it a bit faster. But yeah, it was a. Uh, Alonso's take a wee bit longer to get in, get to grips with that Alpine. He's not quite shown what he should be able to do, especially in qualifying.
0: But he, he, Two, three, he is he's a, not... a couple of years out of the car, isn't he? So, you know. Yeah, but it's Fernando
2: Alonso. I mean,
0: this is this is the thing. I mean, but... he put an embarrassing
2: Mer- McLaren in places it shouldn't be, other than in the skip. <laughs> uh, he managed to get it or GP two uh, that he wanted to put in, uh, but that was a couple of years. Did...
0: That was a couple of years. He's been out, you know, driving other other cars since then. You know, completely different uh, cars that don't don't uh, work the same way uh, as a Formula One car does. Um, so is that is is he just a bit rusty, uh, or is it something more not sinister, or is it is it something more to do with his age? You know, he's how old is he now? Well, I mean, 40?
2: this he'll be he's forty this year, I think. But I mean. Stats don't bode well. I think there's been one driver that's won in their 40s, and it's one race. I think that was Nigel Mansell, if memory serves me. I might be wrong, but there has only been maybe one driver that's won races once they turn turned 40. Uh, so potentially, if anyone's going to break that stat, it's Fernando Alonso. Mm. Uh, however, it's, you know, I don't know. The Alpine car really needs to up its game to win, but it's certainly going in the right direction.
0: Yeah, I think the uh, the drivers were saying that that they were they had they made advances uh, from Portugal um, and they wanted to see this week uh, if the if it was just a fluke uh, due to the track and they they realised that actually you know what no the the car is getting better. It feels just the same as it did last week. So that's you know that's a positive to take away from the weekend uh, here in Spain for the Alpine team. Now, let's move on to uh, Danny, Rick, Lando and the McLaren team. Um, you might have guessed from previous podcasts, uh, and Sasha, you might guess from looking at the screen now that we're not-so-secret McLaren yeah. fans uh, <laughs> here uh, on the podcast. Uh, who, who isn't? Let's be honest. Everyone loves a bit of a McLaren. What were your thoughts on the performance from the McLaren team this weekend, Sasha?
1: I think that they didn't have the best um, you know, qualifying, really, um, Mm. Lando had already said before the race that he wasn't like hoping for much out of this. Obviously they all go into it and they're supposed to say, yeah, we can go as far as we can. We're going to win. But I think deep down, both of them knew that the car was maybe going to struggle a little bit with this track. Um, Yeah. As for Danny, it was really good to see him like for his self-confidence and obviously moving forward with the car, getting ahead of Lando. Mm -hmm. I think he's obviously taking time to get used to it. That's understandable. Um, But yeah, Yeah. definitely it will have given him a confidence boost. I think he was maybe 30 seconds ahead of um, Lando this week. Um, Whereas the other previous races, it's been the other way around. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think there could have been some improvements, but really with the car, I don't think they could have done much more. Um, Yeah, there wasn't much room for improvement for them this week.
0: Uh, And Lando didn't have such a a great race. He had a a black and white flag uh, because he swerved. Uh, well he made a very late defensive move in front of his old teammate, Carlos Sainz. Very crucial, of him. <laughs> yeah, so so you got shown the black and white flag for that. Um what does that what does that mean for him, Coops? What what does that actually mean going forward? Will he, he needs to watch what he's doing? Will he be watched will he be watched a bit more? Yes. hmm Cause he's now got previous Yeah. Do you think it was a massive? Do you think it was a massive error on his part, or do you think he just yes. he just didn't see it maybe in his mirrors and he kind of just defended a bit too late? Was it was was it just just a lack of awareness?
2: It's it's not a lack of awareness. This is his third season, so you can't put that. You know, if it's Nikita Mazepin, he's just unaware of anything that goes on in the concrete. <laughs> but uh, but no, he he should know better uh, and. You know, as Martin Brundle said during the race, I think someone else done it. That was a wee bit cheeky, and he picked it up. And he said, "You can't do that." He said, "That's when cars turn into airplanes. That's when marshals get hurt. That's when drivers end up." You know, being at one with the, the barrier. You know, it's it's scary. It's, it was cheeky, and it was it deserved that. Watch what you're doing. It's not. It's not something he's ever done before. on last year done it a couple of times. I think it was Silverstone. I don't know if it was the seventieth anniversary or the British Grand Prix, but it was a couple of times he'd done that, and uh, it was about like he'd done it with Ricardo, and it was about oh, hey, easy. Mm. Uh, so it's not his mo normally.
0: No, he's, he's usually a very clean driver. But uh, that was. It was worth noting that he that that happened during the race. Uh, I just wanted to make sure we while we, well, we were talking about uh, McLaren, Lando and Danny Ric, uh, that that was mentioned. Their finishing positions then for the the race, uh, Danny Rick was sixth and uh, Norris was eighth. So I mean, they they got points. They they got they they got good points for it, didn't they?
2: Yeah, it was definitely a good race for for Danny Ric. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he needed a solid race, and I think. You know, I think he said in his post-race interview that 6th was pretty much the best they were going to get with that car. Mm-hmm. The way that the weekend worked, and it kind of as Sasha would need to, uh, it was pretty much the way it was. I, I was listening to another podcast, and it was something that was worthwhile bringing up. And yes, I do listen to more than just ours. <laughs> uh, that they were there in the, the, an, enviable, or the more, an enviable position where they can watch F1 TV Pro, and you can pick the on-board, yeah. and and Ricardo and listen to the radio, and over the course of the weekend, Ricardo was getting coached to the point of saying things like a bit too much pressure the break at this corner, ease up at that corner, mm. put more this corner, right. You're doing well there. Move on. And as you know, in Formula One, Eagles a very big part of it. Yeah. And he seems to be very humble and be able to sit back and go, okay, right, okay. So I got that bit right. What, what's next? And very much not like you know. I think Glenn said in a uh, one of our podcasts at Nikita Nikita Mazepin's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. You know the engineers are trying to coach him. He's like, "Shut up!" Bro. we'll talk about it after I'm doing this. So
0: yeah.
2: While he's facing the wrong way, going round the track. <laughs> you know. So. Uh,
0: okay. Well, let's talk about Nikita Mazepin because again, he's had he's had a, a very uh, non-eventful race, really. Uh, well, or or an eventful race. Um,
2: well, he's brought out the, the, the graphic that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, this is, the, this is what we was, were leading into. Yeah. Uh, that's the
0: best thing ever. So we've got a new graphic on screen because of uh, something Nikita Nikita Mazepin was uh, involved in. He wasn't getting out of the way uh, quick enough uh, as a backmarker of, of, of Lewis Hamilton, who was just trying to uh, to sort out their, their strategy, pit strategy. So we had a, a graphic on screen and we heard over the radio um, the communication from Toto Wolff to... Uh, to the To the race stewards, yeah. to the FIA, uh, and it, FIA. It, it was it was great. It's great to hear. What? It it gave us it gave us an insight about what you kind of hear behind the scenes, uh, and how they do make the complaints to the FIA.
2: Um, and I've seen it. I've seen it online that apparently it's here to stay. Probably because it's going to happen
0: when Nikita drives <laughs> out the <track>. but, you <laughs> know. Uh, Were you happy to see that, uh, Sasha?
1: Yeah, I think when it popped up, I was a bit like have they meant to put this there i've like never seen this is this a mistake but um yeah if this is something we can hear more often as the season goes on and hopefully things get a bit closer, maybe between max and mm. hamilton um we might hear some more complaints especially from christian horner because we know how much he loves to complain <laughs> so I think it's yeah interesting. very vocal yeah definitely
0: but yeah i'm looking forward to seeing that that graphic because as i say, i think it, i think they were probably waiting for the, the right moment uh, and and using toto wolf who's usually relatively quite quiet um for you know complaints and that sort of thing he, uh, he it, it, they they picked the right time to kind of introduce that graphic i think they probably were sitting on it for the right time and they definitely picked it and hopefully they'll pick a few more times throughout this season the ferrari team look like they they're making advances now um which is great uh, we they've obviously started they started the year stronger than they uh, they did previously previous years uh, and charles leclerc had a great race Uh, you you know he qualified well uh, and he finished in the race uh, you know very well for for that car Um, have you got an opinion on the on the on the Ferrari team uh, Sasha
1: so I obviously being a Hamilton fan I didn't like Mm -hmm. Ferrari much until maybe I think when Charles joined the team I was a bit like okay they're making changes yeah this is interesting I'm gonna watch them a bit more and then Carlos Mm -hmm. joined the team and obviously I'm using Carlos's data so now I'm constantly watching him seeing how he's performing and being like right am I noticing anything picking up on anything um and mm-hmm. he out of all of the drivers that have changed teams is just picking this Ferrari up like it's no bother obviously the first I think the first few races he was maybe a bit touch and go going areas but this race he just like he'd been in the car for months um but yeah, it's
0: looking promising for yeah. Ferrari for once. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, it's uh, it certainly looks looks like they've got a hold of the car and they're going to be doing some great things with it uh, in the near future. Hopefully, you know, bringing it to the to the party with uh, McLaren uh, and maybe even the Alpine. Or well, I mean, hopefully they'll be all, all mixing it up together. Were you impressed with the Ferrari this weekend, uh, Joe? We'll go to Joe first because we've not spoken to you for a little while.
3: Yeah, it was good seeing them uh, just back up at the front, back, you know, making passes or just actually remembering that they even exist again. You know, and after the last season where you were like, was there a Ferrari that the DNF? I don't even remember. And now we're like, no, you know, the clerks up in the top 10. They're up in the top five. This is amazing. Having that back is just fantastic. Um, and I just kind of hope that, they're, kind of, they're crawling their way back to what they used to be without cheating <laughs> properly.
2: <Yeah. laughs> they were not
0: cheating. <laughs> without
3: the alleged cheating.
0: <laughs> and signs as well. Signs, I think a, a, a good kind of uh, test of, of, of how well that car is doing is signs has also had a decent result. He came in seventh as well. So, you know, that, that's good, strong points. Hopefully that means that Ferrari are going to be where they should be for the rest of the year, hopefully, fingers crossed have you got any other points that you want to touch on before we move off the uh, race review cubes
2: oh yeah all right. uh, there needs to be a shout out to the Giovinazzi's engineer that realised that his tyre was flat just before they put it on at the pit stop
0: ah yeah that's good Yeah, good. that,
2: that was the best thing ever he it just it's like he's punching the tyre like that's not going to pass the MOT pal that's still what you do <laughs> uh, and you're like how did first thing is we're well done for clocking that and the second one is how in the God's blue hell did that even happen?
1: Because mm.
2: it's it was a brand new shiny set of mediums. Because you know because of the chrome mold, uh, molds, they're all shiny. Yeah. Uh, and it's there it was I think it was the front left was just flat. Mm. You know you saw him punch it and he's it just, it was just like that like oh okay how did that happen?
0: <laughs> but yeah, that, that was. Uh, I think they said that that it was, was a faulty valve on the tire itself. Uh, 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 so. Okay. They'd either forgotten to inflate it uh, to the right psi or whatever. Or it was yeah,
2: just the, poor, the the poor wee, uh, exchange student or the, the YTS student that was in there to check the valves was, was, they, was doing it right or something. That's it.
0: Um, but yeah, you're right. You're right. It's, yeah. it's good that good that the uh, Alpha Romeo um, uh, mechanic got, did did notice that and didn't send it out because if he'd sent it out with a flat, he wouldn't have just been thirty seconds delayed. He would have been you know
2: you'd have
0: been retired yeah either retired or it would have taken you know two and a half minutes to get around the track to get back in the pit again to have another pit they stop they probably would so have
2: they probably would have parked it with the damage of that car yeah. for a full lap of that track they would have parked it yeah. but I mean in the final can I talk about the the race you know Max Verstappen knows how tough Hamilton is as a competitor uh, Red Bull have realised that this race how tough Mercedes are as a competitor because they were outgunned yeah they, the, their strategy was on point, completely on point. We actually saw a slow Red Bull pit stop uh, But then that was Mac, that was Max's fault because he came in and didn't tell them. So, shut it,
0: Joe.
2: <laughs> uh, That's not what so,
0: happened.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this Grand Prix, and this race, I should say, has shown that Formula One is not about just the driver. Because it had to be the strategy only worked because of Mercedes getting the strategy and uh, Hamilton driving the car the way that he did. And it, it helped that Yuki Tsunoda gave them an LA uh, safety car, which meant that they were able to stretch out the, 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 the soft tyres that we bit longer.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But none of those, that strategy would not have worked if all those pieces didn't work together and you had somebody like Hamilton. Uh, the biggest disappointment for Red Bull out of all that was Perez didn't put himself where he should have put himself in qualifying because they couldn't have done that strategy if Perez was the rear gunner because they would have had to have reacted to Perez but if Perez is sitting in Albon territory in 7th and 8th and whatever else he was down that bit of the ground, they could do what they want.
0: Mm. It's worth noting as well that Max Verstappen had raced his 100th race. Uh, this weekend. I know Joe wanted to make a, a song and dance about this, so let's make sure we do mention it. It's it's a big achievement. You know, he's been here for a, a little while now. Uh, he's got a hundred... And he's only 23. Yep. Yeah. Six
3: years in F1 and it's only
0: 23. What are we what are we going to talk about now? We're going to chat to our guest... Sasha, who's come along to speak to us today. Thank you very much for obviously joining in with the uh, race review. It's been great to obviously hear your opinions on the race, um, because we hear the same opinions all the time from from the from all of us on the panel. So it's nice to have somebody else's uh, opinion. But um, so let's let's talk about let's talk about what you do uh, within obviously Formula One at the moment, um, uh, and hopefully what you're hoping to do uh, going into the future. Uh, yeah, give us a little kind of uh, like a brief. A brief about what you're what you're doing.
1: Yeah, so um, obviously the main goal in the end is to work as a performance coach in Formula One or any other kind of motorsport role. Um, mm-hmm. As you guys are probably well aware, the drivers all have their own performance coaches now. Um, there's twenty of them yeah. on the grid, so there's only twenty of the jobs that I want in the world. It doesn't make it quite <laughs> difficult, and I've got to try and you know do everything I can to get there. Um, and also, there's only one woman. Um, out of the twenty, so I'm kind of hoping I can go and join Angela Cullen or maybe if she goes then I'll have to take her place so fingers crossed um, <laughs> yeah I can just get some more like women into the sport especially in the um, human performance side of things um, but yeah so I'm at the University of Roehampton and I'm doing okay. my master's in exercise physiology and I'm focusing on right. motor sports um, and basically what I'm doing is analyzing all this and seeing if we can get something published so that the FIA will let the drivers have more access to human performance.
0: Brilliant. Okay, so what what, what are you going to do with that data? Uh, obviously you say you're going to publish it, but are you going to kind of use that data to kind of help the drivers uh, to kind of optimize their, their, their fitness uh, going into races and that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, at the moment, if I put it into kind of, a different setting if you think about football as a sport Mm -hmm. everyone knows football it's like so much money is involved and the same goes for formula one but when it comes to scientific publications about data and how it affects the um drivers Mm -hmm. there's only i think 70 published papers about motorsports in general in the last 70 years whereas for football there's 400 papers published every year So that gives you a a bit of an understanding. There's a bit of a gap in the market and it needs to be investigated. So the data that I'm looking at is basically so that I can then either go to a driver or to a team and say, look, here is where you are losing out on time. Mm -hmm. So for example, if a car is set up badly, the driver is then having to work their muscles a bit harder. They might be a bit uncomfortable, which raises their heart rate, which causes them to tire quicker. So if we can pick up on these bits of data, if, for example, someone was to come in into the garage and be a human performance coach, Mm -hmm. telling the mechanics and, um, you know, the race engineers, right, the heart rate is going up here. We need to try and make a difference. You need to try and pick up the pace somewhere else. We can then get some, some time back for the team and then hopefully improve the performance of the driver. And then we could maybe get a win. It's all, very interesting maybe not to a lot of people but i think no, of course is. when they're willing to spend millions and millions of pounds on aerodynamics and improving the car mm-hmm. why are you not improving your drivers
0: absolutely it's, it, we're all talking about such fine margins in formula one mm-hmm. um, exactly. if, if you can find an extra couple of tenths in the fitness of a, a driver then you know Absolutely, it's the best best place to, to start, really, isn't it? Have you met any of the other team from Hintster? Obviously, you've, you've mentioned Ange, Angela Cullen, uh, who's obviously the the, biggest, the, the most well known member of uh, of Team Hintster. Yeah. Um, she's obviously uh, Lewis Hamilton's performance coach, and you see her always. She's you know she's pretty much his right hand woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, she she she's there with him all the time, kind of carrying his bags, making sure he's in prime condition for the race uh, and the qualifying. Um, do you, uh, have you have you seen any any of any of those people from Hintster yet?
1: It's a really nice community of people that just want to help you get to where you are, which is super lucky. As I know, sometimes in certain places, maybe it's a bit competitive and people don't necessarily want to give you the advice that of how they got there. Um, but I've been so mm-hmm. lucky with everyone that I've spoken to. I'll hopefully make my way onto the grid.
0: That is, yeah, that's that. That is the ultimate goal, isn't it? But how did this dream start? Then did you start? Uh, just as a fan of F1 or were you introduced uh, to the kind of job and then you you got into F1 from that? How how did that happen? So
1: I started, um, I did my bachelor's degree up in Aberdeen and I did it in physiology so just understanding the human body and how it works and what impacts it etc. I've always Mm -hmm. been involved in sports my whole life. I um, used to be a gymnast um, and I represented Great Britain at World Gymnastrada which was really cool so I've been involved in sports and I know kind of what it takes to get to the to higher levels and I know that the time and effort that you have to put in so I was obviously doing this degree in physiology just plodding along and thinking oh like what am I going to do after and then I think maybe in my second year I started doing a bit more sports science and then um, I was a massive F1 fan before but never really put two and two together of how you could involve physiology with sports you just associated with engineering and you know um strategy and stuff like that so I didn't I didn't really know how I could make the mix but I wanted to so what I did was just Mm -hmm. I kept watching the races and I could see like for example Angela Cullen I was like who is this woman they keep calling her his assistant and I was like "Mm, yeah she seems to be doing more than just like you know holding his helmet like so I kind of looked up her, um, her on socials and I was like wow this is what I want to do so uh, what I did was I really just messaged a bit, I think about like six of the performance coaches from the Formula One drivers. And I was like, hey, like, you've got my job like that I would dream of having. How did you get there? Not thinking anything was yeah. going to come of it. And literally, I think five out of the six replied and then told me how wow. they got there. And that's how I actually found out about the university I'm at now. I made the decision to move five hundred miles from Aberdeen to come to London in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> um, to oh. jump on this opportunity. And, you know, it's really paid off, and yeah, I'm really enjoying it. So,
0: yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like you're having a great time. Uh, how about you guys? Have you got any questions for Sasha today uh, about her her role within the uh, performance coaching uh, or what or what she's hoping to become?
2: Uh, well, actually, the one thing I would like to know is is someone who likes all the kind of the, the figures and stuff like that, and you're looking at all the stuff about the forces involved in Formula One, how much would you want to see the forces involved in Grosjean's crash from Bahrain last year? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because the numbers that were released yeah. are obscene, Yeah. Uh, and he came out with no fractures, that's the, probably the big part, of the burns, okay, yeah, that's fine, we know why he, he got burnt, I mean, uh, what was it? It was like sixty or
0: G or 50-60 G, and he didn't yeah. fracture the bone.
1: it's unbelievable, really.
0: <laughs> so what what happens? What happens to heart rates when they're going through 60, 60 G's worth of, uh, of, of, I've had to of, think of impact? Honestly, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would be interested to see. Yeah,
0: that's just one of those unknowns that you'd, you'd have to be one one small group of people to kind of find the find out the specific details on that, wouldn't you? Um,
2: was was it not was it not Grosjean that when when he got his band did he not get some sort of performance coach? Was he one of the first? Yeah. To so, do it? if I'm right, the
1: first ever person to actually have a performance coach was Mika Hakkinen. Yeah, so he actually was the person who worked with a guy called Aki Hintsa, um, and he did
0: okay.
1: the whole Hinsta performance. And um, as you guys are well aware, he was world champion. So he, you know started this whole performance coaching thing off and Professor Sid Watkins, who sadly is no longer with us, he made great changes mm-hmm. in the safety of F1, which comes back to what you said, Coops, with him crashing into the barrier at that with that amount of G-forces penetrating his body. If it wasn't for people like Sid Watkins and obviously the halo mm. um, and these advance in, advancements in safety for um, protecting the human body, then I dread to think what, what could have been. Um, and luckily, it didn't happen so um yeah definitely it's it's crazy
0: (laughs) yeah so who would who would be your ideal candidate for for, for who who would you like to work with uh the current cropper drivers probably any of them (laughs) you would say but who, who who would be your who would be your ideal pick
1: um I think being strategic here I would go for maybe one of the upcoming drivers I think just so that you could be with them kind of from the start of their career. Um, I think mm-hmm. um, obviously Pierre has been in the t- in Formula One for a couple of years now, but I definitely think he has a lot of potential in him, especially after his comeback, um, after the yeah. Red Bull saga. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think, yeah, possibly Yuki, like you said earlier, he's got something about him. I think he would be absolutely class to work alongside. He'd probably give you a laugh and no doubt that he was a hardworking guy. So yeah, but to be fair, like you said, I'd have any of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. you got to get your foot yeah. in the door. And if somebody gave you that opportunity, you'd take it with two hands, yeah. I'm sure. So why, why don't you tell us about Formula Sisters then? Obviously, you you, you formed this kind of online blog with your sister, haven't you? So t- tell us, how did that come about? Come about?
1: Um. So. Basically, me and my sister have obviously always loved F1, um, and it's been great mm-hmm. to grow up with um, a younger sister who's also enjoying something that you like. gives us something to bond over and not argue over. Although it does lead to some arguments. Um, <laughs>
3: but, um,
1: so basically, we went to an event um, with Dare to Be Different, who are now Girls on Track, um, and they offer right. um, events and networking um, situations and stuff for girls who want to get into motorsports. So we traveled mm-hmm. down to Williams HQ in December, I think, of 2019, I want to say. Um, we went to this event and um, my little sister at the time, she was really keen to get involved in journalism. She was she's still um, doing her exams. She's just about to go to uni now. Um, and mm-hmm. we were just there and we seen Rachel Brooks. And my sister was like, oh, my God, that's who I want to be. Like, I want to do what she does. So <laughs> we had a chat with her and um we were kind of Sophie was asking like what could what can I do to stand out because it is something that so many people want to do now especially with the new yeah. drive to survive there's so many new fans so the competition is just going to be getting bigger and bigger so we yeah. were asking all like what could Sophie do to you know stand out and kind of make a di- difference when she's applying for jobs and making an impact and Rachel Brooks said just put yourself out there just write down your ideas your thoughts um literally everything that you can think of so that you have something you can then show to either future employers or universities, for example. So um, Sophie at the time, I think was maybe 16 or 17. And you know what it's like when you're that age, you don't want to seem uncool and you don't want to post things mm. like that. So she was like, well, will, you, will you do a blog with me um, so that people wow. you know, don't just make fun of me doing it on my own? I was like, of course, I, I wouldn't mind doing that at all. So um, yeah, we decided to set it up obviously as lockdown hit, it was a bit of a lockdown project. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's been great we've met so many people through it Um, it's really helped Sophie you know develop her skills as as she ventures into this new journalism kind of um, idea of what she wants to do and it's helped me Mm -hmm. with obviously meeting other people networking and stuff like that Um, so yeah we we do post on there we do blog posts and we started doing a few reels just to kind of show like what both of us are up to um I try and put in my science stuff to see if people are interested but it's definitely more so the gossip side of things Mm or um other stuff like that that gets seen more but it's just a nice place for us to you know bond over something that we both enjoy and you Mm -hmm. know meet other people I think that's the main reason and the main reason we both love it so much is because we've just met so many people and for example I probably wouldn't have even uh, met you guys or been on this podcast if it wasn't no. for that so it just goes to show how good these things are
0: absolutely yeah yeah it, it, we we do it for a very similar reason you know it's uh it's a love of the sport uh and you know we we wanted to to do something because of our love of it really and uh, it's why well, it's led us to to these sorts of things these sorts of meetings with uh, people like yourselves uh you know and, and our previous guests as well so well I, I think we've probably touched on everything we, we, that we can talk about. Unless there's anything that you want to you want to tell us about that, may what what's been your what's been a highlight of your current kind of um, working with the teams and the, the hints, hints to staff.
1: I think probably just um, the opportunities of people I've met, the potential to actually have a pub, my name as a scientist on a published paper involved with Formula One is mixing my two favorite yeah. things in life. Um, yeah, I think just, you know, working towards something which you love and you're so invested in is great fun. Like, I wouldn't change it for the world. And I think, yeah, definitely don't go for something that, like, for example, I love F1. Of course, I'm going to go down this route and try and make this a career mm-hmm. rather than doing a job, which I may enjoy, but I'm not never going to enjoy it as much as, you know, involving F1.
0: Yeah. Oh, great. Well, we, we really do hope... Uh, that, it, that it does lead to something that you that you that you can be proud of, and uh, it does lead to the F one, uh, and you'll, you'll, we'll see you on the grid at some point, holding someone's helmet yeah. and giving them the talk talk to it on the grid uh, as they line up for for their parade lap. You know, it'd be great, it'd be great to yeah, see. Uh, I'm look- Looking forward so to we watching. We all
2: it. sit it. We can all sit and be like,
1: "We met her before she got
3: yeah, it's My first, <laughs> first <laughs> podcast, <laughs> guys. So yous have the dibs. <laughs>
0: Oh, great. Ooh. Yeah, There we go. There we go. You have to
3: remember us now. You see, when you're big and famous, you've got to remember <laughs> us. Worry. That's it. But yeah. No, but, yeah. but I have to admit, I mean, you're also kind of highlighting yet another um, job aspect within Formula One. Like you said, you weren't sure how to mix your love and your passion together. You didn't even know there was a way of doing it. And now coming on the likes of this podcast and your Formula Sisters and everything else that you're doing you know hopefully you'll be inspiring a lot of other not just women but you know another generation into the same thing let's just hope you get in there first though (laughs) because as I said there's only 20 jobs
1: yeah fingers (laughs) crossed I know um it's definitely been um great to kind of um not necessarily that I'm the first person doing it but definitely um on girls on track there's a Facebook page I think you guys post on it sometimes as well I've seen you guys on it um but yeah. there's always girls coming on there and being like, oh, I really want to work as a human performance coach. Like, how do I do it? Because there is no clear signs or anything that tells you how to get into it. So um, it's also been great in that sense of helping, you know, to give people advice that I'm learning from other people and then passing it down because I wouldn't get have got to where I was without people offering me advice. So, Of course, I'm going to try and do the same for, for them.
0: Absolutely. Brilliant. Well, that's a that's a great soundbite to to end on. Really, uh, thank you very much for coming to uh, speak to us today. Uh, it's been really interesting. Uh, maybe we could have you on again in the future because your your insights into the into the race was was, was quite good as well. So it's quite nice to have uh, you know different voices, different opinions uh, on on actual race reviews. So if you if you're happy to come back, we would happily have you again in the future.
1: Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so fun. <laughs> Anything involved in that one, I'm in. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, that's been the Everything F1 podcast. We've hopefully reviewed the Spanish Grand Prix enough for you. And we've spoken to our lovely guest, uh, Sasha, today as well. Um, Don't forget to like us on all social medias. We are, again, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube. And the handle is at JoinEF1. Don't forget our website, www.everythingf1.com. And and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast itself. We're going to have even more great guests uh, in the future. So it's going to be well worth sticking... Uh, sticking to us and, and listening to us again in the future. Um, do you want to uh, promote your own uh, uh, Formula Sisters page, Sasha, while you're here?
1: Um, so um, thanks so much for listening, guys. It's been great to talk to you here. Um, and if you follow um, Formula Sisters on Instagram, it's fs underscore formula s. Um, we would love to meet some more of you and network with you.
0: Brilliant. So that's all that's left for us to say today. Thank you very much for tuning in for two Coops. Joe and myself from Everything F1 and, of course, Sasha uh, from Formula Sisters uh, and Hinsta Future and uh, McLaren Future, maybe. Never know. Uh, That's been us, Everything F1. Stay with us in the future for our next podcast, which will be about the Monaco Grand Prix uh, and the preview for that next week. Thank you very much and we'll see you soon.
3: Bye-bye.